is Real Disciple Podcast 8. I'm here with um, Pastor Colin McLaren. Just preached a powerful message on uh, God's pursuing us, the pursuing God, and uh, people got saved, powerful people ministered to. And so let's just start by getting um, your testimony. How did you get saved? Okay. Um how I mean it's a long story do you yeah we've got the time man oh, if you've really? got the time yeah we well, want it man we well, want it well really I feel that God had been chasing me for a long time like your basically. sermon yeah he said in the sermon been chasing me um, you know I'd have seasons where I would go to church being young but I never I never understood anything I'd never felt the compelling of anything so sometimes I get older and I begin to get involved in crime and different things yeah, yeah. I'd have low points that's when I have felt the need I need to begin to pray you know sometimes read the Bible yeah 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 and um, so from going to school um, I finished school I went and done some further learning mm -hmm. and then after that I got involved in just doing crime all kinds of crime like yeah. Robbery, burglaries, anything. Okay. With lots of the guys in the area. What area um, was that? Uh, I grew up in, first of all, in like Kibrook. So it's like then Lee Green. Near Lewisham, a bit yeah. further than Lewisham. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I moved to Peckham. So okay. when I moved to Peckham, that's when I met with some of the yeah, more rowdy crew. That's uh, yeah. Prime University there. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I was taught many things. I had to sell drugs and, yeah. you know, and so my life just began to spiral out of control. I, Basically, money became my god. Mm. I was worshiping money so much so that I'd do anything to get it. Nice was you making clothes. a lot of money at the height? Yeah. How much would you be making back then? It could be we could make a grand a day. Wow, a yeah. day. Yeah. And how old would you have been? Uh, that's about in my twenties, about nine, no, about twenty-one probably. Wow. Yeah. So that's like seven grand a week. Yeah, but I mean, there's a group of us doing. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we make a lot of money. Sometimes yeah. do it by myself, sometimes do it with other people. Mm. But it was big money. Yeah. You know, we'd, we'd have nice clothes, nice cars. Mm. And I begin to uh, take drugs, which now the money you're making, you begin to spend it. On the drugs. Um, on the drugs. On the habit now. Yeah. Not on the, not on the one I was selling. Yeah. A different kind. And, yeah, yeah. And so that's how life began to go. So I begin to have ups and downs. And, you know, every now and then I would just get on my knees and I'd pray, Lord, help me, Lord, save me. Um, but what, how would you, where would you get that from? You, from your parents or grandparents? How would you know there was even a God, though? Did you? I, the thing is, no one, unless I picked up something in Sunday school. My okay. mum never went to church when I was younger. Okay. And my grandma did, and we mm -hmm. would go Sunday school, but I don't recall. Okay, so anything. there is some there Christian was background. Something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't recall anything so yeah, yeah. when i would get on my knees i would pray but i didn't know you know whether he's listening if he's mm, there or mm, what but mm. so so this continued and uh finally leading up to when i when i finally surrendered i got arrested and i had a court case pending yeah and i was gonna probably go to prison for about three years mm. uh, my first child was born and i was like I remember sitting in that cell and I was like, I don't want to live like this. How old would you have been at that time? That would have been about 23, 23. 22, 23 years. Okay. I was like, I don't want to live like this. Yeah. You know, yeah. And in that cell, I remember crying and actually praying saying, God, I'm wow. you know, I'm not like someone who grew on the streets. I went to school. I had yeah. something, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm crying, I'm crying. I came out and uh, 
<laughs> you know, is you go straight back. Mm. Uh, also, I went to Belmarsh Prison for a little bit. Mm. I think it's a driving offence, but because they, because I would never um, go back to the police station, they yeah. just say, "Okay, we'll remand you until we're ready to take you to court." Okay. So it was such a minor offence, but here I am in prison. In a big boy some, prison, yeah. Man. And so I'm there, and I'm also praying there. And I, when I come out, I'm like, I'm gonna serve God. I'm gonna serve God. But came out, never served God. And so this was happening probably over the space of three years. God was drawing me and pulling me, you know, but I just wasn't like fully surrendering. Mm. And the last time I was uh, me and Inagene, so we had an argument in the house, you know, I'm just doing my own thing. And I went in the toilet and I got on my knees. I began to pray and just say, Lord, help me. And this is, this is how, this is how much I didn't know about the things of God. Mm. I had a candle burning mm. and I, had, I was like on my knees, you mm. know, praying and like, mm. help me. Mm. But you know what? I really felt God come down and minister to me right there in mm. the toilet, mm. you know, in the toilet on the floor. Mm. I felt God touch me and I got up. I was doing fraud at that time. And we had a check that was going to be cashed for a million pounds. So my these guys, days. these big guys. And so I just felt good to him, no, you need to rip that check up. I ripped the check up, I, I put it in the toilet, wow. all my cigarettes. So no one preached to me, it's just me praying and God touching me. You know, the people that I was doing the food with, they was really angry, you know, when I'd done that. A million pounds. That, That's that, what that, they were going to cash yeah, it. That gets Whether people. they would have brought me into it, because yeah. it, you know but how What I'm saying works, is that yeah. would have made, that's a million pounds of anger. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of anger there, man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, thank God. Anyway, so that time I begin to, I want to serve God. I don't mm. know how to. Mm. And so I remember I'm still smoking drugs and drinking, but I do, there's something different. And then what happens is uh, there's an outreach. So the Rav Hive Church have an outreach in Brixton. Mm. And they, Paul Ramsunder sees my cousin, who I, I knew Paul from going to school. Mm. He was one of my school friends' friends. And so he saw my cousin and said, hey, give this flyer to Colin. And it was, that's so divine because had that flyer come at any other point in my life, I would have just, I would have screwed it up and flung it mm. away. Mm. And it came in that point when I had already prayed and I believe God had touched me, but I didn't know what to do with it. Mm. You know, it, it's like I needed discipleship. It's almost like a Cornelius. Yeah. Here he is, yeah. praying to God, doing things for God, but he just has no direction. Mm. He doesn't, what do I do next? Yeah. So that's where I was. So I remember in that time, I was even like, you know, even telling people, oh, the Lord is good, but I'm drinking. I'm, you know, I don't have no direction. Mm. So anyway, I get that. I come into my sister's house at about three o'clock at night. I say, hey, give me some cigarettes. And she's like, yeah, they're over there. So I go over, I pick up the cigarettes. She says, there's a flyer over there. You know, Paul gave it to Christopher. So I pick up this flyer and it's like, it's like, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, mm. you know, the golden ticket. The golden ticket, yeah. yeah. It was like, wow. I'm wow. going here tomorrow. And so we had a session that night drinking and all mm, that music. Mm, mm. Next day I woke up, put on some clothes. I came to church. Pastor Carnegie was preaching on miracles. So he gave the altar call for who wants to get saved. Mm. But I didn't respond because I was like, nah, I believe God has already touched me. Mm. I don't need to ask for forgiveness, mm, you mm. know, even though I was smoking yeah, that before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rizzler in the back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need it. <laughs> so anyway, so, so then he gave a call, so who, who needs a miracle? So I was like, yeah, all right, I need a miracle. And I went up front and, uh, and he prayed for me for a miracle. And I was really praying, saying, Lord, I just want to be delivered from this lifestyle. And, you know, and so... After that prayer, 
I believe God really touched me again. And you know what? I began to come to church. And it's as I kept coming to church, Brother Paul Ramsunda as well, he would be like, you know, I didn't, I didn't need anyone to tell me to come, mm. but it was because of, it's almost like what Christ had done in me, but it was nice to have, what he actually done was connected me. Yeah. So he'd bring me to, come, let's go fellowship. Yeah. And then I'll yeah. start yeah. connecting and yeah. I formed yeah. relationships. And then I begin to grow so many different people begin to impart mm. into my life. And so that's how I led up. And that was, I think I was like 23 mm. or so when I, when I, you know, began to come to church. And That's so amazing. Kind of, that's, that's, it's, it's funny because um, similar to how I got saved, uh, a guy, Peter, knew a friend of mine uh, called Damien. Peter gave Damien a flyer. I went around Damien's house. Uh, drink tenants and smoke weed and I saw this flyer and I was like what's this and he said yeah this guy gave me this thing no one's spoken to me no one witnessed to me and I and I walk into the church and I got and I had the flyer for about I don't know maybe off the top of my head maybe three four months and I was like one day I'm gonna go there one day I'm gonna go there and then one day I said no I'm going I, I can't live like this no more this is just not like something's missing mm. and I and I went in and, and that was Again, from that moment, never missing church, but it was the church that helped me to grow yeah. and to connect me with Jay and mm. Pastor Peter and all of these guys. And so I think sometimes we think salvation is man's doing. Yeah, Salvation is God's doing. Right, yeah. God's got to save you. Yeah. We can connect you. We can instruct you. Mm. But God has to put that hunger in you, that, yeah. that desire. It's like you've already got, you're already wound up. We're just going to give you direction. We're going to be like, okay, you want God? Go that way. Whereas many times it's almost like we're trying to make yeah. you want God. Yeah, yeah. But no one made me, yeah. no man made me wanted God. Mm. God made me want God. Yeah, he draws us, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So just to tie up some other things, because I think it's powerful what people know, you was with your girlfriend at the time, who obviously yeah. now is your wife, Inajin. Yeah. And so here you are, you get saved, and then you go and tell her you're saved. And the things we used to do we can't do them no more yeah yeah so yeah i was telling her, look basically we're gonna have to get married yeah you know let's get married mm. we can't be living like that anymore mm. you know and so she's like what i don't want to marry you just because you're going to church and you know so on yeah so then now the decision now is well then if we're not going to get married i'm gonna have to move out mm. which though i say it very lightly it was a very big decision because mm. we had a child together yeah and it's it, it wasn't it, I wasn't like this responsible man anyway. Yeah. But the fact is to, to make that decision, you know, after getting saved. Yeah. Was like, you know, but I, I knew I had to do the will of God. Yeah. You know, it, it almost like it felt right, but it felt wrong. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It felt right. But it was hard. It, it was very hard. It's a right decision, but yeah. it's a hard yeah. decision. And, and I think that's something that people, we have to realize sometimes we think, the right decisions are going to be the easy. Mm. No, no, no. Most times the right decision is the... So you make that... Because the reason why I say that is because I would have thought, like, logically, I would have been like, I've got a, uh, I've got a youth now. This is, just, you know, and he, I don't want no other brother to start dating and move in and yeah. then bring up my youth. Right. That's how your yeah. mind thinks as a man. Yeah. yeah. But you had to take that risk and say, yeah. listen, I'm just going to trust God. Yeah. I trust God. And then she gets... She comes to church. 
Well, the thing is, between that, so I move out and yeah. I'm living in my sister's house. Yeah. So this time, now, I'm, I'm, you know, God is seeking, you know, he's pursuing me. Yeah. I'm responding to that pull. Yeah. So he's really chipping away at me, molding me, you know, removing mm. all this idolatry, the worshipping of money and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. And I remember being inside of my, my room, uh, I was living with my sister, and I'm on my knees and I'm just in my room, I'm just worshipping, I'm singing, tears are flowing. Mm. And what, what? And I was like, Lord, I don't even understand. I want you more than I want energy. Mm. I, and I remember that so clearly. Mm. I was like, mm. don't even make sense. I want you more. Mm. You know. And it's at that point now when she now begin to come to church to kind of see, because she's like, Nah, there's gonna be, a, there must be another woman. He ain't gonna leave me for Jesus. Mm. So she comes. So she thought it was another woman. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So she's coming to spy on me now. She's ready she's, to bring war, man. Yeah. So she's she coming to She could have dealt with some woman. <laughs> <laughs> she's coming there, man. She's like, no, not my man. Yeah. So she comes, she's there and she's listening. But you know what happened? She one At one service, she put up her hand. Mm. You know, she went at the front mm. to pray. Mm. And we wasn't really on good terms at that point. So she was one side, I was on the other side, you know. But so she I'm, wasn't coming with you? She no, just turned she'd up by turn herself? No, she'd her own way, yeah. Wow. So I'd come and I'd look, she'll be there, but we, mm. you know. And so this continued, and every service, she's putting up her hand, putting up her hand, putting up her hand. And then um, finally, you know, she begins to attend church. But it wasn't as smooth as that. It was kind of like, she was like, you know, are we... You know, because we mm. wasn't, there mm. was no relationship at mm. that point. Mm. It's like, you know what? She's like, am I going to stay here if we're not going to, you know, have a relationship? Probably better I go somewhere else. Mm. And um, and that's where she was, you know, because she just thought, I don't know if I want to be here. You know, mm. you're here. Mm. And so um, I remember Pastor Carnegie just sitting me down and talking to me and saying like, you know, look, you're both saved. You know, you have a child together. Mm. It's like, this is golden. You know, mm. it's, a, mm. it's just like that, that word, you know, from, from your pastor. Sometimes yeah. they speak a word. Just It's just so in season for yeah, you at yeah, that point. Yeah, just yeah. made me think, it's like, you know what? It's true. She's here. I'm here. We're saved. We, we love each other. You know, I know we got past and, and that's how it all happened. And we just, we begin the date in church. And about a year later, I believe it was, we got married. Mm. That was 2002. Wow. I remember that we got, Yeah, we got a place together. And then we begin to live together. So, it's almost you see the whole process it mm. felt like man god's trying to trying to destroy me but he had a greater plan you know i think yeah, the 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 thing that leaps out to, to me at that story is when you're willing to put your idols under god mm. when you're willing to say no 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 i'm going to put god first then god puts your thing first yeah god is just waiting for you to yes it's really like abraham yeah if you're willing, that whole thing is like, is, is this, I can't take you any further, Abraham, even though I've blessed you with this, but I can't take you any further unless I know that I'm first. Mm. And that's what God is waiting on us yeah. so many times. Yeah. In your ministry, in your marriage, in your money, God's like, I can't take you any further mm. until I know I'm first above this. And it's yeah. not, this, is, this doesn't mean this is evil. It just means you'll make it something evil. Yeah. If, I, if it's your God. Yeah. And even her... Yeah. You know, for that fact where she was like, well, if if I'm not, you know, if we're not going to do enough, I'm probably going to go somewhere else. It wasn't like I'm not serving Jesus anymore. Yeah. So that showed me she was in that place. Like, it doesn't really matter what happens here. I'm still serving God. So she was in that place yeah. where he was now Lord, you know, mm. of her life. So we were both in that right place to begin to, you know, meet Jesus.
Powerful. Yeah. And yeah. so now you have how many kids? Four. Four kids. You've been yeah. how long? You've been married? Sixteen years. Sixteen in years. In next week, so. Yeah. Powerful, powerful. Mm. And what are the ages of your children? Uh, Nineteen, eleven, uh, fourteen, seven. And now uh, your firstborn. Yeah. She ministered in conference. Yeah. And see how God is redeemed. Yeah. She could, you know, I mean, not to be derogatory, but yeah. she could have been someone's baby mother. Yeah, exactly. She could have been doing if, all kinds if, of stuff. If you never made that decision, mm. and now, woman of God, mm. I mean, I, I came to Brixton and I saw her minister, and I, something leapt out of me. The voice is powerful, but, you know, we've got many powerful singers. Mm. But it was like, a, there was like a genuineness to her ministry. Mm. When she was singing that song, it was almost like, yeah, this is, this is from the heart. Mm. And it can it connects to the heart. It's yeah. like, yeah, this is serious. This is deep. Mm. This is like a psalm. Yeah. It felt like, yeah, this is the real deal. And that's beautiful. That must be beautiful for you yeah. to see your kids singing to your God. Yeah. yeah. And now it's their God. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than come on, yeah. just yeah. come in here. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so, okay, you're saved. You're married. You're discipled. And then the calling of God. You feel the calling of God on your life. I remember you in the body, and I, I always. You and Jamil are like the two guys that I think is almost, it. I mean, from my perspective, when you see someone coming to church, it always feels like fast track. I just see, felt like you was moving from strength to strength to strength to strength. Mm. And, and obviously, you within yourself, you'd be like, yeah, no, no, I was going through my own little things. Mm. But being in the church. So now uh, you've, got, you've got calling, you believe you're called. Um, where did you go first? Where did you part, part pastor first? Oh, in Woolwich. What made you go to Woolwich? I can't even remember like all the decisions. All I know is I needed to go out mm -hmm. and do something for God. I think Woolwich was just, it was near where I grew up. Okay. And it was just an area that was untouched. Yeah. And so many people around there. Yeah. And so, and I went out there and you know, it was good. It's a good experience. You, you was there for how long? About just under a year. Yeah, I remember coming yeah. there because it would have been, I think I got sent out maybe within that time i was there because you came and preached yeah me, yeah that's it? right and, and you, had the, you had the, you had a few uh, i remember there you had a couple there mm. and a few people there's things happening there yeah using that little what was that called the YMC? yeah ymca ymca yeah. yeah yeah i remember coming in there you go down into the through the arches type yeah. of thing that building and so yeah so you had a few people there and then um i mean that church is still 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 functioning it's still here uh pastor david spoke to him the other day and so that that's your labors are not in vain that church is still in the area uh, and you know god's moving there so then you're there for just under a year and what happens next pastor peter's having conversations with you or yeah the conversation had kind of had already been made and before okay. i went out I okay kind of knew. so then i came back to assist after a year yeah and and you was there for how long yeah, about a year. Just oh. under a year, actually. Oh, you mean in rubber hair? Yeah, yeah, oh, sorry. Okay. I was in rubber hair for, I believe, five years. Wow, that's a long yeah. time. Yeah. So 2008 to 2013, I was yeah. there. So. And so how did you find that, like, assisting for that long? Did you, did you, because uh, I've always thought when a guy goes back, after a while, he's going to start getting itchy. Like, yeah, you do. Go, you do get itchy. Yeah. You do get itchy. Like, seasons come when okay. you really want to go, you yeah. know, and so on. But, um, I think initially coming back, it was, it was actually quite tough because I remember the first week that I was back and mm. I knew Pastor Peter was going to preach in the morning, yeah, and I was to preach in the evening, yeah. 
So just, you know, no, I <laughs> and I remember that. all night, I was up all night till like four o'clock in the morning, like no. on this sermon, like, Lord, you're gonna have to help me, you know, just stretched. And so, uh, you know, but God helped me. And um, yeah, now, now having an assistant, I realized the value of an assistant. Yeah. At the time I would have been like, yeah, okay, he's an assistant. Mm. But now having an assistant and seeing how it really does help me you know and i've said it before with brandon and elizabeth being, being back in the body and even though you know they're not uh, you know doing everything for me but it's the ministry what they're doing it really does take a bit of a burden off me yeah. to focus on other things and and, and i see the, the i see the um the effects of it in the church i see the effects of it in the church whereas um, even though they may, people may not see that guy preaching all the time or mm. doing this all the time, but it really is having an effect when you have a good assistant. Yeah. And uh, I think definitely now, looking back and towards the latter end of you being in uh, Rotherhive, I, I, you know, because you think since you, when you went back, that's during the time when we became a conference body because mm. we wasn't a conference body before you went there. No. And I think a lot of the things that have happened in Rotherhive is definitely, uh, you know, because of having an assistant mm. and and you, you learn i remember pastor um alvin smith said uh you got to learn to play second fiddle yeah yeah you got to learn to play second fiddle yeah. and so it's a it's a sacrifice in a different way mm. in a different way some guys think oh well at least you're not you know it's not on you anymore you know when yeah. you're pioneering yeah, and, you yeah. know you're going to preach the empty chairs but it's a different sacrifice yeah. i mean yeah. i would have believed it was that i've never yeah. done it but yeah, well, I guess you're never going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows, well, yeah, man? I guess we Who knows? We like know. you said today, we're yeah. all learning, man. Yeah, yeah. We're all learning. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think assisting was, it was very good. I learned a lot just seeing, obviously, uh, Revive Church planting lots of church, yeah, all yeah. the interaction with the international churches and the pastors and, and uh, the congregation, the raising up of men. Yeah. Um, discipleship, you know, yeah, finance. Yeah. It's just yeah. so many different things. Do you think it? Do you think it fast tracks your ministry? Meaning, you go out and a guy goes out and he's kind of like got to stumble through, learn things. Mm. But coming back in, you learn how to deal with because you're dealing with people a lot more now. Would you say? I mean, what I, would you actually? I let me ask you the question. What do you think you got? What was the advantage for you being in the body and then going back out? Where you're like. Yeah, if I was out, I wouldn't have learned this like I learned it. I'm not. I can't no? put my finger. Okay. Right, but what okay. I would say is, um, you still, I still learned a lot again when I went back out. Okay. You know, because the dynamics are different in like mm. a, a a baby church than a mother church. Mm. You know, mm. so that you're still learning different things. But um, I think definitely the potential of what your church can become. See, your vision is definitely enlarged. Yeah. So you're not there like, man, nothing can happen. You're there with like great purpose and you know intention that, man, something great can happen here. Mm. It can be replicated. Mm. I've seen it. I've been mm. in it. Mm. I've been immersed in it. I was mm. there helping, raising up, you know, couples, mm. getting mm. things ready, buying the equipment, mm. sending mm. them out, mm. you know. So I think in that sense, you, you really get a lot of uh, yeah. kind of exposure to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in a, a pioneer body, it would take you years yeah. before you'd get to that point. I mean, literally, it's going to take yeah. you five years to get to a point where you're, yeah. you're raising up guys to ready to go out. Yeah. Whereas as soon as you're back, within a couple of months, you're already mm. doing that. So you're in the body. Uh, so you're, you're assisting. Mm -hmm. You was there for five years, you said? Yeah. 
and then uh, you go to Brixton. Yeah. When did you go to Brixton? Two thousand thirteen October. As a matter of fact, I was there uh, about from May two thousand thirteen because of the situation. Barcelona wasn't well, so yeah. was having some treatment. So oh. I was kind of covering a lot of the services for him. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, you know, many people would know from the Rob Rive side, Pastor Olu passed away, sadly, but uh, run his race and won his race. Yeah. He yeah. won. He beat yeah. He beat he the beat cancer all, yeah. because he kept his faith. Mm. And, uh, you know, wonderful brother and uh, labor, left behind a powerful legacy mm. in the Brixton church. And so then that must have been difficult going in there, you know, the... the the last pastor has obviously gone through all these struggles and then gone to be with the Lord. What was the what was the the the, the feeling like there? What was the when I first um, was just covering for him? Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't it didn't really feel like greatly different. Okay, I mean, I don't know what the people were feeling. I'm okay. guessing if your pastor gets sick and you know, they must be feeling slightly discouraged, but. Yeah. Um, before he passed, he mm. had, I had taken over the church, so he didn't pass whilst in the service okay. of the church. Yeah, and so, um, but I obviously people were, you know, it does it does affect people in different ways. So mm. I was trying to really just be quite gentle with the people. But what helped a little bit is that whilst I was covering a lot of the services and he wasn't well, he would kind of connect with the people, like come, like talk to him for mm. me, and you know, so yeah. it made the transition much smoother. But mm. I would say that, yeah, people did have to be encouraged, mm. and, you know, in the faith. So it wasn't an easy takeover, you know. And and there's people there now, I mean, on fire disciples as a result of his labors, you know. Mm. Yeah, definitely, so. definitely. I mean, the, the, the Brixton Church has had a good pedigree mm. of men go through. Obviously, Jamil uh, pioneered it, and then Ulu, and then yourself. Mm. Um, and so... Uh, and so how long have you been in Brixton now? Uh, it be five years. Five years. Wow, yeah. it's gone quick. I, I was there this year. Preach yeah. revival, powerful. Um, one of the things I liked about, I saw the quality of Brixton is the young men. Mm. I did see a real quality. Uh, it felt like, you, you know, disciples, men had been replicated. And I think that is the mark of a ministry where you, a, a pastor, you know, we want everybody, women, mothers grandparents everything but we the the ministry needs young men jesus had 12 young men yeah. disciples and and when i went there it really felt like yeah this church has so much potential because it's almost like the the foundation and then now these this next generation and 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 it can do so much uh young men on fire mm. for god so I, I so you're there for five years and then um Obviously, opportunity got, comes up to go to Preston. I think you told me a little bit about you went somewhere recently mm. and someone gave you a word. Yeah, so basically all, all uh, kind of all my ministry, I've, I've never really done like what I've like wanted to do. It's yeah. always been like, God's like, okay, this is what I want you to do. Because at one point you was going to go international. Yeah. Where was you going to go again? To Botswana. Botswana. Yeah. I'd never even heard of it until yeah. they said you get. I'm sure, no, I'm sure I'd, yeah. I'm exposing my ignorance, my yeah. lack of geography. I had heard of it, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so listen, let me take you back a bit. So mm. from getting sent out, I kind of knew, right, I'm kind of going to come back and assist. Yeah. Okay? 
So that wasn't my, I didn't like present that idea. Mm, it would mm. be pretty prideful if mm. I did. Yeah. And so I come back and assist. That's nothing to do with me. Yeah. Then I'm there, then I'm, you know, getting itchy. All right, let's go, let's do Botswana, let's do Africa. You know, okay, good. We're announced at the conference. And then just shortly after the conference in the new year, um, it was when he got sick, got diagnosed and I began to help. And then the October conference came like, you know, he's going to go back so he can you know rest a bit and so on mm. so i i took over the church yeah it was a need you know there was a need there i had been there i was willing so i went and so um so i was there and even though i was there there was still a bit of me that still like would look on i have a map in my office i'd mm. kind of look over nations and think like you know it'd be like going pioneering a nation open mm. a nation up and so on so that's kind of how i've been and had to fight it off and so of recent, I think it was in September, uh, the Sydenham Church had Martin Clock come. So I go to that revival. I, I just came in somewhere. I'm not dressed for church, so I'm mm. just there. But I thought, let me just come in. So I'm at the back. He's finished preaching. And he looks at the back. He's a young man in the back. I want you to come forward so everyone's laughing. They know because I'm not mm. dressed like mm. a pastor. So, you know, with all the, all the gear on, the suit. and the, So I come and he goes, God's calling you to make a big sacrifice. Wow. So, so I'm like, okay. So he says, when Abraham was told to sacrifice Isaac, he said he didn't do it unwillingly because he says, people always say he done it willingly, but the Bible says that he believed God was able to raise him up from the dead. Mm. So it wasn't all that unwilling. He said, God's calling you to make a sacrifice. He says, and when you do that, God's going to take you to the next level. So, you know, he prays on me. So in my mind, I'm like, yeah, this must be now. I'm going to go to the nations, you know. Mm. I, when I come to the back of the church after, you know, Pastor Farai's like, man, is God calling you to a nation, you know. I'm like, I don't know. So I go home um, and uh, I wake up the next morning. My wife says to me, oh, you've uh, you got a word yesterday. I'm like, how do you know? She says, someone sent it to me from the church. So oh, wow. I wanted to say it to her. So I'm like, yeah, maybe now God is going to call us. We're mm. going to go abroad. And she goes, but what he said in that word was that a, a big sacrifice. says, it wouldn't be a sacrifice doing something you love. Mm -mm. <laughs> <She> just, <laughs> and as she said that, she, she it was it like, yeah, it's like the pin, just the bubble, you know, the balloon yeah, yeah. bursted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I thought about it, I thought it's true, you know. I said, you know what? I believe what God's telling me is that I need to put down that dream. Mm. That dream of going abroad, that whole dream. Wow. And I had like some criteria, like these mm. are the, when this happens, mm. this mm. is when I will go. Mm. And so, uh, you know, I ripped up the paper. I said, you know what? That's it. I'm just staying here in Brixton. I'm not going to dream about anything. I'm just focusing right here. God mm. do what he wants to mm. do. Mm. And then it was probably a week later now when I got the call saying, you know, will you go uh, to Preston, you know? So that's how that led up to that. And so I feel like my hands were tied a little bit in the sense that God had got me to a place that I knew something was coming, mm. but I didn't know what, what it was going to look yeah, like. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not someone that just grabs, like if someone gives me a word, I yeah, just grab yeah, it and I yeah. read it every morning. Yeah. But it was just something different about that. Yeah. You know? That's God. So, yeah. Sounds like God. Sounds like God. So, all right. So now you're, um, you're on, you know, it's been announced. It's been confirmed. You're going to Preston. I believe you preached there last week. Mm -hmm. Um, I've preached there many times. Well, I think I've done a few a few revivals there, three revivals. Daniel and Lisa, lovely couple, yep, done an amazing good. job there. Very yep. fresh, very fresh 
type of uh, uh, ministry, you know, when you mm. go in the build, lovely building, that's yeah. the way it's done. And mm. uh, you, I always joke with them and say, oh, I'd like to come church here, <laughs> you know, I, I, because it, it really is uh, appealing in that way. And the people are very uh, nice as well, man. When I've gone there, uh, you know, just, just it's, it's just a good, good all round thing. So you're stepping into that now. You're taking over. When do you when do you officially uh, take 16th over? Sixteenth of December. Sixteenth, and then so and then obviously you're going to be uh, moving up there with your family and all of that. Yeah. And that is you know that is a sacrifice, especially because you know you've got all your family's going with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, my eldest daughter's she's not staying. okay because she's just Studying. started university. University. So she has the option after a year to transfer. Okay. And so it's she'll stay with my um, mother-in-law. Yeah. So until then, she says she's coming, but obviously she's old enough to make her own decision. Yeah, let's see. So we'll see what happens. Um, okay, so the the purpose of the podcast is Real Disciple. We talk about, you know, we're trying to highlight the point of, you know, making real disciples. When you hear that, what do you think of when you think of a real disciple? I think of someone who is, made Jesus Lord of their lives, you know, mm. and uh, beginning to follow him with all of their heart. Mm. You know, a real, that's what I see as a real disciple, someone who's been touched by Jesus Christ and they want to follow him and know him for themselves. You know, I feel sometimes we're kind of, we, we confuse a couple of things. We're mm. trying to make disciples out of people who haven't made a lordship decision. Mm. And then you find yourself kind of beaten, beat, you know, they, you know, we can't force anyone to do anything. Mm. Everything we do really should be from the drawing and the compelling of the spirit, right? Mm. Mm. So that when I think of a real disciple, I think of someone who has surrendered their all to the Lord, you know. Um, uh, what would you say is some of the things which really uh, help discipleship? When a man wants to disciple another man, what are the things that you look for when, when you be like, oh yeah, this is... I think one of the, one of the main things, first of all, mm -hmm. is that, as I said already, is their lordship. Once they've made Jesus their lord, they're yeah. willing, they want to follow. Yeah. Um, obviously, there, there will be no brainer, <laughs> you know, people, people to work on. They're like that, then you yeah. shouldn't leave them. You have yeah. to begin to work with them, impart into them, give them uh, ministry opportunities. Mm you know, build friendships and relationships yeah. with those. And on the on the other side, there's also those that are not, they don't look like how you would like them to look in a sense, yeah, you, yeah, know, of, yeah. you know, but it's having vision that they can become, but maybe they just need a bit of care. Maybe they just need a bit of a, you know, impartation, bring them with you some places, try yeah. and help them, yeah. you know, call them up, get guys to work with them, yeah. and, you know, expose them to ministry. Yeah, definitely. I think what you said, you know, I look at myself and I think um, if I if I was to look back in 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 the in the Rovive congregation, there would have been periods of time that people would have looked at me and thought, yeah, I don't think Courtney's really on it. Mm. But in my heart, I was on it, but I was just struggling with things. Yeah. And if you you know, and if you give up on me, then then it, it, and and I've kind of always tried to hold on to that. Sometimes I forget it. Yeah. But I tried to hold on to that, like, ah, oh, that guy's not serious. But Corny, 
that's what people would have said about you at one yeah. time. You weren't serious. Because yeah. you, you know, and it wasn't, in a way I wasn't serious, but in another way I was. And on, mm. if it was the conforming to a certain routine, I probably wasn't serious. Mm. But in my heart, I, I knew I want to change. I want more. Mm. And I think what you said there is that thing. There's these two sets of yeah. people. There are people that just get with it and yeah. they're at that point. And there's other people you got to love them yeah. and invest in them and help them through whatever they're going through to get to that point. Mm. 